This is episode four of the Pre-Professional Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach Kraft. I'm Colton Watcher. And today, we're just going to kind of talk about issues that we see not only in the field of exercise science, but more for me specifically in terms of exercise science learning through an institution and even just learning in general for any pre-professional, whether that be uh, going into med school, PA school, Cairo school, PT school, whatever type of learning that there is. And like just kind of um, for a lot of schools, like the core issues that we see. We also have a guest with us today. He won't be on the podcast, but we have Caleb Leak in the studio. Um, he's our producer. And once the intro comes out, you might you might hear his voice on the intro. We'll see. Caleb Leak has actually been the uh, – he's been with us from podcast one. He has been with us through it all. So definitely a big shout-out to that guy. First listener, I believe. He was. Um, biggest role model. <laughs> Maybe not role model. <laughs> Uh, biggest hype man, probably. Yeah, I would, I would say, say hype man is probably the, the best way to describe him. Uh, I will say he's a terrible golfer. What do you shoot, like mid, low 80s? Usually 50s. Oh, usually, 50s. usually 50s. Okay. On, on nine. Yeah, but he's, he's a good guy, cool dude. Glad to have him here in the studio for the pre-professional podcast. But without further ado, let's just kind of dive right into it. I think you should probably start this one out because... You're the one wanting to really talk about the education aspect of it. So I say you start ahead and like kind of tell us about what you're thinking. All right. So let's just start with um, kind of the base. So when you go to school, you, you pick a school because, I don't know, you like the way the campus looks and you like the way the teachers are and whatever you do. It's been so long since I picked a school, I don't remember it. But I feel like when you look at it, you only ever look at your exercise science major or whatever major you're going into, kind of your concentration. And I feel like that's how people base, like, the schools they're picking. And that's kind of why I picked Grace College here is because Christy was just that awesome. I thought that she would be that great of an advisor. And she is, and I don't regret my decision. But I feel like something that I have a huge problem with in terms of the education system is it feels more as if they're all starting, like, to make school a business opposed to, like, an actual learning environment. And you see that, like, obviously, like, it takes a lot of money to start up a school. That's not a big, big deal. But I think that in terms of school, I think they should almost push it kind of like a trade school kind of deal. Like, trade school usually isn't very long. Like, two years, you go in, you learn what you need to learn, then you do, like, a kind of an apprenticeship or I guess an arm realm would be like a residency. And then you're pushed out into the field to work without any like fluff. Like I feel like a lot of schools have like these core classes. Like when I'm a chiropractor, I'm not going to need to be able to tell you every single location on a map of the world. And now I feel like a lot of schools like Grace specifically, they have these global perspectives classes and Essentials in behavioral science and freshman foundations and all these classes that are that they go towards your GPA, but say you do poorly in them, I mean that that could potentially hinder your acceptance into a grad school program or something of the like. And I just feel like that's just an extra class that they're using to get money. Because if you look at it, I mean, in the end, say you're you take 120 credits in a school year. 
and or not a school year, but all four years. And you really probably only need to take 70 to 80 of those credits that you took. I don't know. I just I just feel like that's like a, a big issue in schooling. I feel like it's a huge flaw. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of classes that I took at Grace College that I didn't ne- didn't necessarily um, want to take or feel like I needed to take that went towards my major. Um, so I, ca- I definitely see where you're coming from, but also part of me is glad I took some of those classes that I don't have to have for my career just because it was able to teach me things I would not have learned just doing exercise science classes. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I would agree to some point about that. Um, yeah, I mean, even if, if we're talking just purely exercise science classes for us, 80 credits is probably still a high number. Yeah. It could be probably be down to 60. Um, yeah, so something you said about the whole idea of school or college being a business, I kind of feel the same way, and that's an issue I have with the strength and conditioning field slash personal training is there's too many people that treat personal training or strength strength and conditioning as a business, and all they care about is money. That's probably my biggest issue I have with this field. I'm not against making money or having people run a business. I have an issue of putting money and growing a business over your clients and over the people you are put in charge of taking care of. Um, Because, like, I'm going to charge for my clients. I'm going to make sure I'm paying myself, but also I need to make sure that I'm putting the client above the money that I'm making. And I think that's probably the best way to, in the long term, be successful in this field. Because I was talking with one of my uh, people that I look up to in this field, and he talks about how um, a lot of gyms around the area failed because they put money above their clients. And the reason they've been so successful over the years is because they've put um, the clients and the people as their number one priority, and then second and third and fourth, like down the line came the money. Um, so that's probably kind of kind of the same thing you're talking about, how having business, having a business mindset is not always the best thing. I agree with that. And I would say even if it like your business doesn't fall under the technical umbrella of healthcare, like I mean, would you consider strength and conditioning, like being a strength and conditioning coach, healthcare? In a modern sense, like according to health professionals, no, but I think it is per my personal Because opinion. I mean I mean you're essentially caring for your health and other people's health through I mean, the fitness, which is huge. I th- I think the term movement as medicine is perfect. I, movement is medicine, so in that sense, yes, strength and conditioning slash personal training, however we want to call it, that is, yeah, that is in the health field. Yeah, and I see, like, I like that you brought that up because I feel like you see that all too often in terms, like, even not in the strength and conditioning realm with personal trainers, but you really see it. And I'm going to call out chiropractors just because it's one of the things that I'm going to strive not to be. But, I mean, if you're working an eight-hour day, you're working your nine-to-five, a, a lot of places will be open longer than that. But let's just say nine-to-five. There's patients, like there's some places that will see 75, 60, 75 patients within that realm a day. And, I mean, there's no way you can do that in – a way that's it's suitable for a patient to actually get any sort of help. 
I mean, if you're pushing out 60 patients a day and you're getting $45 as a copay and then you get the rest from insurance, like, yeah, you're making a lot of money. But if you're just going to have a patient come in, you're going to crack them and send them on their way, like you're not actually giving them care. And I feel like that's why a lot you see a lot of these chiropractors just um, struggle to provide like quality care. Now, I feel like it's a little different with PT. I mean, when you have a PT appointment, typically you're there for an hour and they definitely like make sure that time is carved out. But when you're your own boss, like a chiropractor, it's very, very, very easy to kind of let that like idea of money take over and come over your patients. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you this because it seems like chiropractors, like if we're ranking doctors, chiropractors are probably the most made fun of doctors in the health field. And I think part of that is because they're the quick five, 10 minute session in and out, pay the $45 and you're on your way. Mm-hmm. Like you want to expound on that or kind of what you, what you think towards that? Yeah. And I feel like that's like one of the biggest reasons as to why people don't necessarily love them is because they can be pretty pricey for the amount of work they do. So, I mean, that's, I feel like that's definitely how you separate a, a good and a bad chiropractor. So where the uh, cream rises. The cream rises to the top, of course. But um, it actually reminds me of something that Jordan Shallow said. He was talking about how people, like, dislike chiropractic. And, like, the disliking of chiropractic is almost religious. Like, so let's say you are walking down the street, and I, who cares about the religion? Some Muslim guy beats you up and throws you in a dumpster. You're like, what a terrible guy. Maybe not all Muslims are bad, but that guy was terrible. But now your cousin's best friend's sister's uncle had a, a bad experience with a chiropractic. And now in your head, you're like, oh, shoot, man. Like All those chiropractors are terrible. All they care about is the money. All they want to do is crack your neck and cash a check. Like That's all they're, they're out for doing. And I feel like that's just like a, a real poor stigma that's been placed over all chiropractors. And it really seems like it's true that one bad amp- apple seems to ruin the whole batch. I think that partially, too, can can come with personal training. Because you have so many personal trainers that are just out there. Um, they'll throw a, here's a 5x5, five five, and then a superset, boom. That's $20 worth of an online training session. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing you're talking about. If someone has one bad experience with a personal trainer, All pers- they write off all personal trainers because they had one bad experience. And that's kind of just something, like... I feel like people experience in life is you have one bad experience at a restaurant, you don't go back. And so that's where it's tough because especially a lot of the people that aren't that good are cheap. Like they're the people that people, people want to go to the people that are cheaper and cost less money. Those are also the people that don't always know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's like, it's, it's tough because people do have bad experiences and that's why it's so important as your first visit with someone is like you have to establish that relationship right off the bat and you have to work on making sure that person feels cared for and taken care of under under your care I guess yeah and I feel like not I mean obviously like not to bash on anybody but like even like I would say like med school obviously has the highest requirement to get in I would say even chiropractic has a relatively low requirement to get in but I feel like if you take the right class, almost anybody could be a personal trainer. And I feel like if you have those, this goes back to the education versus experience thing we talked about. If you have those letters of CSCS next to your name or NASM or ISSSA or ISSA, 
or whatever your certification is, I feel like people automatic, automatically believe that you're, you're just the cream of the crop. And it's one of those things like I've seen at my gym that I train at. Like there's so many trainers that just aren't aware. Obviously, like they know how to do the movements and most likely they probably work out themselves so they can put a person through the movement. But it's almost as if they don't know how to correct the movement or cue it when they're not doing it. Yeah, like it. just because you can do a squat perfectly doesn't mean you can teach a squat perfectly. Mm-hmm. And you have to – personal training is more about delivering cues than it is working out, in my opinion. I mean, you're as much of a teacher as you are somebody just like trying to help somebody do a workout. Yeah, I mean, if your client's struggling – and you don't know how to tell them how to do a movement better or correctly, they're never going to get it. Like, no one, if you, if someone doesn't have any, if someone has no idea how to work out, they're not just magically going to figure it out. And giving them one cue or giving them something that half makes sense in their mind isn't going to help them at all. And the more cue, like, I feel like sometimes personal trainers try to just throw all these cues, and then now their client gets confused and like okay now i gotta do this now i gotta do that now i gotta do that same way like i've seen people try to cue and coach the clean and they're telling them a hundred different things that they have to keep in mind just on the pole and it's like no like just first off care for that person make sure you establish a relationship and then slowly build with them you don't have to go zero to 100 real quick and it's like one of those things i feel like a lot of personal trainers kind of take your client and you just throw them into stuff like, I know my mom went through some personal training, and she would tell me what she was doing. And I'm like, well, well Mom, like, do you know why you're doing it? She's like, uh, well, my trainer told me I was supposed to. And I was like, well, like, did they have you do any sort of, like, tests in order to see if you, like, were able to do one of these movements? Because, like, I love quoting Shallow, but he always says if you can't s- balance on one leg, you shouldn't squat on two. And I guarantee my mom can't balance on one leg. And I've seen her, I've, I, she's told me she's had to do squats. And it's one of those things I feel like a lot of personal trainers le- neglect the ability to have that um, mobility and that stability. And they just kind of throw them into this whole workout routine because that's what people are paying for. And now I feel like that's why there's a lot of bad stigma around like getting a trainer because when you get this trainer, you want to you wanna work out. You're like, ah, but like usually by the time people get a trainer, they're so fed up with their situation that they just want to get right into this whole getting better, moving better, actually lifting, looking better, that they, that they start to neglect these principles, these base principles that they have to have in order to get to where they want to be. Yeah, I mean, if you get an, um, I don't want to say inexperienced, but if you get a, a personal trainer or, I mean, even... I mean, there's plenty of physical therapists or chiropractors out there who also have a CSCS or take that route of personal training. Um, if you have someone that doesn't know what they're doing and the client wants to go right into a heavy uh, five by five or heavy strength session, they'll do that. But that that's not what the personal trainer should have the client do. Like just because the client wants to start heavy doesn't mean that's what the client should do. And it takes a personal trainer who knows what they're doing to be able to tell the their client, no, we have to start here. Then we can build up and progress and prog- do go through all these. Che- basically, have to go through these checklists before we can start heavy. Just like what you uh, quoted with shallow, like 
we're not going to have someone squat on two legs if they can't balance on one. So, like, just because you want to bench 315 doesn't mean you automatically start with 225 on the bar and build up from there. No, it's making sure mechanics are right, making sure performance is right, making sure you're getting sleep, making sure you're eating right. Like, it takes more than just throwing a couple plates on the bar and bouncing it off your chest. It makes you wonder, like, the sad thing. Like, do you think that these personal trainers that are not taking their clients through these proper requisite exercises and just throwing them, essentially, like, throwing them to the wolves, do you think they know what they're doing wrong? The client or the personal trainer? The personal trainer. Do you think the personal trainer knows that this person is actually probably going to hurt themselves because they don't know what they're doing? Or do you think that they're honestly, like being completely real with the trainer in their mind and they just think that they're doing the best for their client. I mean, I think that's backed with the education versus experience. You need education. If someone is properly educated, then in their heart and in their head, they're not, they're going to know that just throwing them to the wolves is bad. But if someone hasn't had the education and they do a 20 minute online PT uh, certification, then they don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of, kind of, you need, you need to have some foundation to be able to be effective. So I think, yeah, you, you need some schooling. You can't have all experience. Yeah. And I feel like that can kind of fall under this whole, like, like institutional corruption. Like, I mean, or I guess maybe not even institutional, but I guess we'll, we'll remain with that word. But the people that are creators of the NASM, the CSCS, the ISSA. Like, I know that the CSCS requires a bachelor's degree in order to take it, but NASM and ISSA, anyone can do it. If you felt the need to do it or you feel like you could do it, I mean, you're able to take this test, get a certificate, and become this personal trainer without having any requisite knowledge in order to actually do it. So I feel like that's where a lot of these bad trainers come from, but the thing is, the people that are coming out with these um, gold standard tests don't care. All I mean, What they want to do is make money from the people that are buying these, like, buying the spots to take these exams. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I guess I can't fully agree with what you say. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're right. It's just I haven't necessarily experienced that business, like, aspect of it. I mean, I don't personally think someone should be charging 400 and $75 for a CSCS exam because that's what it is. Um, they'll have to be paying in December. But, yeah, cause it's tough because it's like you need – NASM has to grow, and they have to make sure they're um, making sure people who do take their exams, making sure that they're getting proper um, knowledge and proper education. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just a tough – kind of a tough question to ask because you have to make money, but also if you run it too much like a business, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like, like you said, you were like, oh my gosh, $475 to take this exam. You didn't think that was a great idea. But if you look at like Prescript, like it's a thousand bucks. And if you think about it, people are like, oh, a thousand dollars, that's pretty steep. But really, like it's not. Because you're not just, it's not a thousand dollars to go take an exam. Like, yeah, there's a cumulative exam at the end, but you have 16 weeks of lecture, two hours of lecture a week, online forums. Uh, a manual that's 50,000 plus words. And I'll even throw in the fact that you get a t-shirt at the end of it. It's all about t-shirts. And you, you get training knowledge from some of the, the best there is, in my personal opinion. I mean, maybe other people would disagree. But, 
like I said, I feel like the people that like do CSCS and NASM, like it is seriously just a business to them. And I feel like that's one of the, the things that, um, I mean, it goes back to everything in the Bible. It says money is the root of all evil. And so when there is this aspect of like money is all you want, you can start to um, deteriorate in terms of character just in order to achieve that like monetary compensation that you so long for. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I like how you mentioned that the mon- money is the root of all evil. But one thing, too, is it's like people, people don't go into strength and conditioning to make money per se just because, like, you look at all these strength and conditioning coaches, they're making, what, like 40-ish thousand a year. Um, I, I think that we see more of an issue with – I don't – I don't want. I don't want to say that. Never mind. We can forget about that. But it's just something to where, at the end of the day, I think I kind of want to answer this question that I had in my head. But it's like I want to ask what What do you think a cure, or what do you think an answer is to fix these issues that we see? And I think my answer to this would be care, like care and love. You need to love what you do. You need to love your clients, and you need to care for them because if you don't. If you're just in it for the money and you don't care about your clients, you're not going to be up late trying to prescribe them the best workouts or make sure your program is flawless or as flawless as you think it can be. It's, oh, here, we'll just we'll just throw in this push and pull exercise real quick just because that'll be quick and they can get through it and they'll, they'll, think, they'll think it's good. But it's just you just have to love and care. I think that's what the world's lacking right now is just love and care. So we're all divided up on these stupid issues, and it's just infuriating. Just love each other, care for each other, and at the end of the day, it'll all work out. That's I always go back to it. Like when I'm up at two a.m. studying for something, or the last thing I want to do is probability and statistics, and I'm just fed up, frustrated. I just go back to, or I'm worried about my future. Like right now, I don't have a job set up after I graduate. I have a couple options of these GA ships or internships or that program out of Chicago, but like, I don't have a job set up. I don't know what God has for me for the future, but at the end of the day, I just, it always works out. No matter how bad it looks, it has always worked out and it always will work out at the end. So I kind of got off on a rabbit trail. I kind of was all over the place with that. But like, what, what do you think an answer is to the issues, issues that we're seeing today? I don't know. I think, I, I mean, there's definitely a lot of flaws. I mean, and it doesn't take, even a smart person to figure that out. But I know a lot of people would say for most issues, you need to look at it from the ground up and kind of, kind of build off of a different foundation. But I think in order to get from the ground up, you need to work from the top down. I think that there is a lot of, I mean, and it it goes beyond the realm of fitness or chiropractic or doctors or any anything like that. I mean, it goes political and it goes it goes everywhere. But we're gonna. So I'm gonna. St- I'm gonna try my best to stay on this uh, fitness industry kind of track, or even like healthcare industry. But when you go through chiropractic school, I feel like a lot, or med school, or go through your CSCS or whatever it is. I feel like a lot of it they don't teach you that your number one priority is your patient. They obviously teach you, like, the things you need to know, like your anatomy, your neuroanatomy, 
Um, I know there's like classes for diagnostic codes and chiropractic, like stuff you need to know to run a successful practice. But I feel like they, a lot of people don't put as much of an emphasis on what being a successful practice really means. I think that's where the education, not the education, that's where the experience comes in over the education. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people, do, you don't teach bedside manner, which I feel like you probably should a little bit. I mean, and now there is an aspect like some of the worst, like some of the best doctors have some of the worst bedside manners. I mean, if I am hurt and in pain, like I don't think I want, like if I'm like down bad, like I don't think I want Jordan Shallow coming in, yelling in my face, telling me what to do, even though he's probably telling me the exact same that thing that'll help me. Like obviously I want somebody that's going to like help me out and make me feel good on the inside emotionally before I start moving up. But I feel like, yeah, I just I just think there's so much of a like lack of I don't even want to say culture, but like the ability to teach what really matters. And I feel like a lot of people don't go into these healthcare fields because of what really matters. I feel and I also feel like a lot of people that become doctors or whatever feel feel this like pressure to become something they don't even really want to be. And so at that point, it turns into only a money-driven career. Like, I specifically have a buddy who felt that he needed to go into a certain profession. I'm not going to say who because it's going it, to give it away. But a certain profession, only because his parents, like, his other siblings would do it. And his parents look at him. They're like, well, now you need to follow in their footsteps in order for, like, our name to get carried out well. And then I feel like that's where sometimes... It, the care falls away because the person doesn't have a genuine love for the people or a love for what they're essentially trying to sell. I feel like that's where it's a huge, huge issue. Yeah. um, I guess so essentially what I would say is if we were going to fix this, the cure would be to start from the top and make sure that everybody's going into it. Almost like a, a, a weed out course for the people who don't care. Yeah, it's like the bio one, or the the super tough freshman classes that weed out the was it the the wheat from the chaff or that I think it's that. But Something. yeah, it's making sure the people who actually want to be here in this field are here, not just people who are like, oh, I can take this cert real quick, get certified, and all right, yeah, I'm a personal trainer now type of thing. Um, yeah, and something. I'll throw this back to kind of the the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about the problem with schooling. Um, Something I see is that when you have like a professor or a mentor, the students kind of base their practice off that mentor because that's the way they've been taught for the past three, four years. Um, And it's something where it's like you need – I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing because I don't know exactly for sure, but it it teaches more people that one that mentors way of thinking and not necessarily having an open mindset, if that makes any sense. I don't I hope that makes sense. Um, so that's I'd say that for me is really the only issue right now that I see with the whole schooling aspect. I mean, I can deep dive more and I'm sure I find a, a hundred of other things. Um, yeah, something too I wanted to to mention was. This podcast, probably listening to it, sounds depressing because we're only talking about the negatives in this field. There are so many good people out there 
who know what they're doing in chiropractic, physical therapy, uh, personal training, strength and conditioning, everything like that. Like, I'm not trying to say this world or this field is crap and everyone in it doesn't know what they're talking about except you and me. It's There are so many people out there who do know what they're talking about. And you, it's on the client to try and find that person. It's you, the client, just because you go to the YMCA and these are their personal trainers doesn't mean, oh, I have to sign up with this person. No, like, the client should be able to look through who they want as a personal trainer or go through like maybe even a couple training sessions just to kind of get the gist of if they like this person or if they don't like that person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can tell a lot. I, I know there's a lot of a whole don't judge a book by its cover, but I feel like there's a, in this realm, there's a, you can judge a lot by their cover. I mean, if you walk into a chiropractic office and it's not inviting, like, I'm going to boast I'm proactive right now, the chiropractic office that I worked at. Like, if you walk in, I mean, and you're a new patient, you're automatically going to feel welcomed. Our front desk lady, Michaela, she's, I mean, if you see her without a smile on her face, she's probably going through something pretty tough. Like, she's just a smiley, happy person that, I mean, she'll make you feel as if you're supposed to be there. I mean, she'll give you the tour of the place. When you go back, you go back there. Dr. Galbraith or Dr. Schwederman is going to come back, and you're going to feel, even before you even experience care, that you're in good hands. I mean, they're going to ask you about your condition. They're not just going to read your diagnostic form that you filled out at the beginning, your little consent waiver, and then try to go off of that. They're going to kind of, like, dig deeper. Because if you're not, in chiropractic, if you're not looking for the root cause and you're trying to fix, if you're trying to fix a chronic problem with an acute solution, you're not going to get far. I feel like a lot of chiropractors do that, whereas a good chiropractor is going to find the root issue and fix that chronic problem with a chronic fix. I feel like if that's something that you can like find in your doctor before things go too far or find in your personal trainer before you go too far, that's kind of how you can judge um, the level of care you're going to receive. And that's how you can kind of determine the good from the bad. And you can do the same thing with whoever you would follow on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever your form of social media that you enjoy being on the most and you potentially get your most information from. If you look and you can, you can, you can, you can agree with people. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that I agree with and that I disagree with. Obviously, I'm not gonna, I'm not the end all be all telling you who the good is versus the bad. But in my opinion, like. If you were to put somebody on trial, if you were to just put them in the stand and they swear, swore on the Bible, like, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and if you lie, like, see you later, you're like, you're going to prison, I mean, would that doctor or that person who's trying with that method of theirs, with that argument that they claim to hold on to so well, would that hold up in court? Would that be something? And I feel like that's, you almost have to put every... I mean, obviously, you don't have to do it with everybody, but I would say if you're really serious about finding people to listen to or if you're somebody just looking to go to a clinician or get a personal trainer, I think it's beneficial to kind of put these people's methods and how they do things like on trial. I feel like that's a good way to determine. Yeah, you can be very critical of, yeah, like you said, be very critical of their methods. And we always go back to the same thing. Ask why. Like a good 
Cairo, good personal trainer, good PT, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you're critical and ask why, like, don't be demeaning in how you ask it. But if you ask them, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? They will be very, and if they're open about it and inviting and telling you answers and why they think this is going to help or why they think that's going to help, instead of being quit, quit questioning what I'm doing, like, just do it because I told you to. That's That's another great way of being able to tell who knows what they're doing and who doesn't. Yeah, and I feel like if, like, there's definitely a difference. Like, I don't know if a doctor would ever say, stop questioning me. But, like, you can definitely tell them the answer they give you, like, the depth yeah. of it. Like, if you have a reasoning as to why you're doing it, like, I mean, it's just, like, it all it all comes back to any sort of belief or any sort of thing that you do. Like, I mean, especially, like, in Christianity, like, we're called to always have a reason for the faith that we hold. Like, if someone is to put us on trial, like, surely we should be able to tell you why. I mean, obviously, we're called to be disciples. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is, like, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would you be found guilty? Yeah. Type of thing. And it's like, I mean, that doesn't really have anything to do with strength and conditioning. But, but it that's, can. Like, if you're put yeah. in the fire, like, if you are put on trial to, like, why you do what you do and say you have a couple injured clients, like, maybe maybe it's not you, maybe it's them. But, like, if you knew specifically what they were doing wrong and you didn't try to fix it, like, would you be guilty? Yeah. Like, would you be guilty of allowing these things to happen? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, and it's something, too, to where, like, sometimes in this field, you're going to be put under a microscope, and what you do is going to be questioned, and you just, you have to be intentional with everything that you do in this life. You can't just go through life willy-nilly and be like, oh, we'll just, we'll just throw you up and do what a 20-minute AMRAP today just because. No, like, just be intentional with everything that you do, and especially in this field when, health is on the line. Yeah, I feel like a lot of like in in a lot of professions you can kind of go in and go through the motions in terms of how you do your daily work. Like this is a line of work that you just you can't do that in. I don't I don't know if there's a lot of line of work that you can just go in and go through the motions and not not see a difference in quality, but like when you're dealing with people's health, you need to take it seriously. Like, every day you wake up, you need to be intentional and serious about what you're doing. Just because people can easily get injured in a personal training session or a chiropractic session. I mean, I'm sure you can adjust someone wrong and next thing you know, boom, they're hurt for the next two weeks. I always say, because uh, I have buddies that are going to, like, the medical field and people that want to be surgeons. And if for them, it's not going to be an interesting day. If somebody dies, like, yeah, it would be, it would be disappointing, but like, say you're an OR, emergency room OR guy. I mean, odds are you're probably going to see some people die being as you're coming to the emergency room and that's just part of your job. But like, if I see somebody die on my table, guess whose fault that one is? (laughs) That's my fault. Does that happen a lot or? (sighs) No. I mean, not that I hear of, not that I've seen. I know you have to get malpractice insurance and whatnot. But I think there definitely can be certain adjustments that can be relatively um, sketchy, for lack of a better word. I mean, I know my mother's had, she had a carotid artery, like it, it got kinked because of an adjustment, or that's what, that's what she's been told. I don't know exactly what would have happened, what adjustment it would have been. I was so young at the time. So that's the story I've I've heard, and I guess I'm sticking to it. But she, for a long time, would not let the chiropractor that I worked under adjust her neck. Rightfully so. 
I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty scary experience to have your carotid artery get all clogged up and backed up. But, I mean, it. I don't really even know where I was going with that. I don't re- really even remember how it, how it came up. Oh, uh, we were talking about like being intentional or someone getting injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that's just one thing that everybody lacks. Not everybody, but a lot of the industry in healthcare lacks intentionality. Yeah. Healthcare, as in not just doctors, but chiros, PT, strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. personal trainers, stuff like that. We need to find a new term because I'm tired of saying personal training slash strength and conditioning. Yeah, we can just say personal training slash strength and conditioning because I can't think of anything either. The only thing I can think of is fitness something, but we we can figure that out sometime <laughs> later. But I don't necessarily have anything else to say on that topic. No, I mean, I th- we should probably just end this on a, a happier note because I've kind of I kind of feel a little, little I feel sad. a little down too. Yeah. So let's talk about something good. Colton, I know you wanted to talk about this event that you have coming up, which is for a good cause, but I'm not going to say too much about it. Colton, take it away. All right. So on December 4th, 2021, this December, it is a Saturday, I believe. I will be running a 24-hour race in Franklin, Tennessee. Disgusting. <laughs> so, ba- so basically, um, the reason I'm doing it is not the reason I'm doing it, but I'm doing it and then to help out and be productive in this race, I guess I would say, is I'm making a fundraiser out of it. So basically what it is is the organization is She Is More Than, and it is an organization based out of Florida that helps fight human trafficking. Um, They base a lot of things out of Uganda, but they also um, fight human trafficking in Florida as well. It's an amazing organization. Um, They're all about helping to try and free these girls who have been uh, horribly enslaved in the sex, sex slavery industries, what it is. Um, so they just fight to free these girls and fight to put them in safe homes and teach them about God and teach them that they're more than the negative experiences that they had in life. I mean, I can't, I can't empathize with these girls, but I couldn't imagine going through what they've been through. Um, so yeah, the, all the money raised from this run is going straight to them. Um, I think, GoFundMe takes out a small percentage of it, but basically all the funds go to uh, She Is More Than. And so there's a couple ways you can pledge. You can pledge a certain dollar amount per mile. So let's say uh, you pledge $1 and I run 50 miles. That would be $50 pledged. Um, Or you can just do a flat rate, like $100 right to the She Is More Than uh, GoFundMe. Then other things you can do to help out is pray and then also just spread the word. There's a flyer on my Instagram, Colton, C-O-L-T-O-N underscore Watt, W-O-T-T. Go in, find that, just spread the news. I'm trying to raise as much money as I can, goal of $10,000. Um, yeah, that's kind of what it is. And it's not just a flat race. Like, I'm not going to be able to get 100 miles in. It's basically up a mountain the entire time. So it starts starts and stops at the exact same point. Um, and it's a 1.1-mile loop. So basically, you start, you go up a mountain, 340 feet of elevation, then you come down, and you just do that for 24 straight hours. The goal, I would be very happy with 61 miles. We will see. I've never gone more than 26, so we will see how that goes. That's going to be – I mean, 61 is definitely more than 26. But talking about that fundraiser, I'm not one to donate – I think donating can't sometimes be 
I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes donating is always is often to the wrong cause or something you just feel like you like I, I don't know. I don't I don't love doing it. Plus being a college student, I can't really do it that often. But this is definitely one thing that I will be donating to. Not only because Colton is my colleague, but because it's something I definitely do believe believe in. Um, sex trafficking is horrible. And I think if you have any th- understanding of what it is, I mean, you'll f- most likely feel the urge to donate. I've done work with Destiny Rescue in the past. My high school is really big on it. And just hearing the stories of these girls that have been saved out of the sex trafficking industry, I mean, their lives went from as, as low as you could even imagine, multiply that by a 1,000, and take it to the power of 10, I mean, that's how, I mean, that's the low they reached. And now that because of these organizations, they've been given the opportunity to actually live like a full life. And so I think that's so cool that you're using this as a fundraiser. And I think that if you have the means to donate, if you don't have the means to donate but want to, try it anyways. Um, There will be, I know Colton plugged his own Instagram, but you will be able to find the link in a post made by p3.podcast on Instagram that will be coming out very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we're, I mean, I'm, per, I, I'm very proud of Colton for doing something like this. I think it's really awesome. And I look forward to seeing how many miles he'll get and how much money he'll raise. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't, um, probably shouldn't say this as a want to be personal trainer. I haven't trained for this. Good. So we we will see how it goes. 26 miles is a lot of miles. 60 miles is a heck of a lot more miles. Yeah, but you did the 26 miles in how many, what, four, three, four hours? Four hours, yeah. Well, that was... Yeah. You got an extra 20. I know. I got a lot of time. You got a lot, got of, a time. lot of time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, ultra running something... Like, if you've never experienced ultra running, this is kind of a plug. Like, I would say do it. I say just screw it. Or don't. Do ultra running. Or don't do it. <laughs> don't listen to Zach. But it's some of the best community you'll find. And... I mean, you just bond. You, you people bond over things that mutually suck. So, so I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, I know that I'm real tight with some people in my physics class right now because of how awful it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've had some physics relationships. Yeah. You just bond because it sucks. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You bond over things that suck. So, yeah. Love that you're doing it. If you have the opportunity to, if you have the means to, donate. If you don't have the means, donate. And if you don't know anything about sex trafficking, look it up. Nods are you'll probably feel the need to donate. Yeah, and then just last thing, I mean, just pray. Pray for me. Pray that I'll be able to raise as much money as I can. Pray for the girls in sex trafficking. Just, yeah, just prayer. It might not seem like it's a lot, but when you're talking to God, God works in mysterious ways, and he works very, very, very hard, and he can accomplish a lot just by praying to him. So, yeah, just end it on a better note. Not a better note, but uh, a quick question. And Don, what is a weird food combination that you enjoy that people would think is weird? Tostino's uh, tortilla chips, like the like the restaurant chips, yeah. and peanut butter. Really? Yeah, corn chips and peanut butter. You that sounds uh, disgusting. Either call them corn butts or butt chips. <laughs> <laughs> I actually heard about it. <laughs> When I was a kid from a TV show called Good Luck Charlie. 
which if you watched Disney Channel as a kid, you probably watched it. And I tried it, and I still enjoy it to this day. I might have to try that. Yep, some good old butt chips. Don't like the name, Cole, but... what about you? All right, I don't know if this is weird or not. I like cheese and chocolate. Like, a couple chocolate chips, a little bite of cheese, pop it in there. That's disgusting. No, it's good. Sounds it's like good. Sounds like an ultra runner to me. Nah, it's good. But yeah, um, that's all I got. Awesome. Well, this is the P3 Podcast. I'm Zach Kraft. I'm Colton Watring. And thank you for listening.